Hello. Hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy whatever day. Yeah. I mean, you might not listen to it on Friday, but that's okay with us. That's okay with us. Welcome Welcome. to Rock the Boat, sis. Rock it. A podcast all about having a voice. Being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Not being afraid to talk about all of the things. And realizing you're You're not not alone. alone. I'm Carrie. I'm Leah. And we're so excited to have you guys here today. Welcome. We are going to go ahead and throw out a trigger warning for this episode. Um, we have had some really amazing feedback from other episodes that we've dove into some deeper waters in. And again, we just want to be super responsible with our voice and this community and letting you guys know that today we will be talking about abuse. And if that is not the episode for you, that is a-okay with us. We still love you. We still love you. And, and we are here for you. Yep. And we are a listening ear if you ever need to chat about anything. Absolutely. And you can just tune in on the next episode. No big deal. But for those of you that are going to stick around for us today, we are going to be talking about abusive relationships. And not only that, but we have um, a special friend with us today in the boat with Keeks and Lily. She's got her life vest on. She does have her life She's vest ready. on. She's ready. This is a friend of ours that we, I feel like, have known for longer than we have. Seriously. And um, she's a new friend of ours, um, someone that is not afraid to be real, to be authentic, to go deep, and to talk about the hard things quickly, which I think is why we are so close already. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We'd like to welcome in our sweet, sweet friend, Miss Joni Simpkins. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. It's weird hearing my own voice. (laughs) It does. It it takes a little getting used to. But at least you got these sweet kitties next to you. I'm super excited about that. (laughs) He will uh, be all over you the whole time. Yeah. I love it. Well, I want to add something to all of this is our opinions yeah. and our voice. This yes. is not based on any facts. Right. Um, it's our experiences. Um, so just to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really smart to do, Leah. The All of everything we talk about is through our own lens and the perspective that we have in our world and what has happened to us and everybody has different perspectives and that is a hundred percent. Okay. But the whole point of the podcast and why we're doing it is again, like we said, not being afraid to talk about all of the things and hopefully providing a space where people don't feel alone. Yep. So if this is relatable to them in any way, we hope that it helps. Um, Joni, why don't you tell our friends a little bit about yourself, how you ended up in old Knoxville, who you are, and yeah, anything you'd like to tell them about yourself. Born and raised, small town, West Virginia. Love it. So in the mountains or the hills, truly. And um, when I was 25, my journey took me to North Carolina, largely because of the topic we're about to talk about today. Mm. And I was there until just about 40. And then I landed here in Knoxville, Tennessee, because I have... The most awesome, wild, now seven-year-old. At that time, he was two, and it was, you know, wanted to raise him small town and close to family, so. Yeah. And I'm learning to love it here more and more. Mm -hmm. I love your little accent. I know. It's very West Virginia. 
It is. Mount yeah. Mama. Mount Mama. Yeah. Take me home, country roads. That's right. <laughs> it's like the Cute. sweetest little country accent. It is. Thanks, guys. It is. Um, cool. Well, what's one fun random fact about yourself? Oh, man. A fun random fact. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> I like to paint my toenails red, no matter what season it is. Just okay. red Just toenails. A red toe. Any yeah. reason behind red and not blue or white or black? It's very, um, it's classic to me. Mm. You know what I mean? Just classic. Yes. Yep. And you can always find red toenail polish. That's yes. true. So you don't have to think too hard about it. Do that you get true. the, um, what is it? OPI Big Apple. That's what I always use. Big Apple Red is the perfect red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it that is. what you use? Yep. And that's what I have at home in my little basket. For wow. <laughs> you are a true queen. Yeah. A true red queen. <laughs> red queen. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, um, you guys just want to dive in? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Well, um, I'll kind of set it up. So, Joni called me, honestly, like two days ago, I think. And thank you so much for being here on such short notice. Yeah, seriously. I asked her yesterday um, if she wanted to come on and then confirmed with her at like eight o'clock last night. And here she is. So true queen for coming here on such short notice. Thank you. Um, But Joni called me the other day. Joni's been catching up on the pod and has almost made her way through season one and was just like, I have an episode idea. And I was like, cool, what is it? And she was like, abusive relationships. And I was like, damn. That is an intense one. That's an intense one. And we haven't gotten any feedback like that ever. Yeah. It's always been like, can you talk more about poop? Yeah. Don't forget about periods. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, and then you and I just like, that opened up like a 45 to 50 minute conversation. And I was like, after we ended the conversation, um, I was like, I think there's a lot there. Like there really is. And I think you have a really like interesting and deep story, but I also think your perspective on it and like the lessons that you've learned and what you've brought away from it was just like different and really encouraging to me. Um, and Leah and I, like I have a little bit of experience in this world and I have no experience. Luckily, I have nothing, but just to like sit and learn and listen and ask questions, like I'm here for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so Joni, you and I had talked about, um, like all the different types of abuse that can happen. So like speak on that a little bit and kind of like what, what made you want to talk about this? Um, for me, and uh, I'll just say I'm in my mid forties Yeah, and so I'm really comfortable talking about my past and and experiences I've had and, and what that's, how that's grown me. Um, and I think, you know, you can maybe at any age and be comfortable with that. But I think a lot of people, men and women both, are stuck. They're just stuck in these really um, toxic relationships. And they feel like they're the only ones. Um, and f- for me, and I believe this is true for most of the women I've talked to that are open to talk about it, that it starts verbally. Mm. And then it gets mental. And then eventually when words fail is when physical yeah starts to come into the into the atmosphere yeah um so there's lots of different abuse all of which are damaging um for me and and for several of my friends I've spoke with them the mental 
abuse leaves mm-hmm. the deepest scars. Yeah. It's the hardest one to heal, and it takes years. So my hope in talking about it, and I appreciate you guys being willing to, because it is a hard, not not sexy, as they say, topic. Yeah, it no. really isn't. But um, I think of the men and women that are in these relationships that just need to hear, you know what? You do deserve better. Mm-hmm. Whatever lives you've been taught to believe about yourself, there's freedom. You can have freedom from that. Mm-hmm. And you can heal. Yeah. Talk about the control side of things. Because I think that, like, that was a really interesting perspective of, like, when you were saying that it's all, it's all coming from a control thing. Mm-hmm. And when, like, the words lose the power, that's when it turns physical, mm-hmm. which I just, like... I don't know, like the psychology of that was just like mind blowing to me. I know a lot of women actually that have been through this. Mm. It's amazing because, and I think you guys would agree when you meet me, you would never guess that I've been through any sort of tragedy No, because I'm not jaded and yeah, (laughs) you know, and the same of several of my friends. Um, and so it starts off and I believe that most, if not all people that are abusive are also narcissistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the way that I see it is narcissists will first reflect how much they love themselves onto you. And they love themselves deeply. They love themselves deeply, right? Yes. What does that mean? It means that they don't really love you, but you are the trophy they are after. And because they love themselves so deeply, how they value themselves, they're going to project that they value in that way. Hmm. Which then is addictive. Like we've yeah. been listening to a book that talks about yes. how our ba- brains react chemically. Yes. To and it sets off. So you start to get these chemical reactions to this overflow of, of this person values me so deeply. Yeah. And it's like studying narcissists. Like it's called love bombing, where you are just like showered. Like I don't even know the word. Like like abundantly with. Like, like you said, this, like you literally are this amazing prize trophy. Mm-hmm. Nothing you can do is wrong. Everything you do is amazing. They will do everything in their power to just like make you feel loved and special. And, and it's coming and I'd never heard that before, but it's because, or, you know, like you just said, it's a reflection of how much they love themselves. That's a crazy concept yes it's scary it is very scary it is scary and it's um and every woman that I know yeah that has been in these situations it's not because they're weak or unintelligent or naive Mm -hmm. they're actually the smarter stronger Mm -hmm. powerful ladies Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times narcissists target someone that they feel is going to be a true trophy whether Mm -hmm. it's physically or that they're mentally powerful or socially powerful someone that's really likable um because if they can conquer you they win right is it power they have over you just like thinking back on yours right did you realize that he was a narcissist before or was it just afterthought I mean, there's not one because I'm a repeat offender of putting myself in toxic situations. Mm. <sighs> it's easy to do because yes, it, is. it comes in different lights. Yes. You know? Yes. So in the first one, um, I honestly didn't realize it until I was too deep in. Mm. So, I mean, first love of my life, 
first time I saw him when I was 14 years old, I'm like, that's the man for me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And the hard part was we were friends for years before we dated. And there were, I didn't see it because I had so much love for him that he was tearing me down. Mm. You know, I'd hear it from my parents. And when you're that young, you just, you don't receive that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, there is so much with that. Mm-hmm. But it was 10 years of mental and verbal abuse before it turned into physical abuse, which, mm-hmm. you know. And I let me just preface this, like, I'm giving him some grace. Like, I'm obviously not going to mention names. Sure, and, sure. Because... <clears throat> Also, I think forgiveness is super important. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. That's deep. <laughs> well, I have so much in my brain. So firstly, I, I feel like forgiveness is one of those things of like you, it's almost like when you don't forgive, you're drinking poison, hoping it kills the other person. Mm-hmm. And so like true forgiveness is allowing the control of that other person to finally like let go of you, yeah. right? Um, but like going back to the whole, um, narcissism, like trophy thing. Yes. It's so crazy to me to think of like, when I think of narcissists that either I've been in relationships with, or I know, or have like been around in my life, they, they come across as these like huge, like, um, charming, like salt of the earth, salt of the earth, big, bold personalities. When in reality, they're some of the most insecure people I've ever known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so when they start pursuing, like you said, Joni, these, you know, quote trophies, whether that's socially, um, career wise, physically, whatever, they've got to love bomb them, right. Make them seem like the most amazing man or woman in the world until they've achieved them. Mm -hmm. And then the person is left feeling empty because the love bombing stops. Mm. And it, and then too, it's, it does start off verbal and typically it's small verbal abuse. It's not initially you're a worthless piece of shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That will come or something in that term. And you start to believe it about yourself. Yeah. So is it because it's like said so often? It's because you, it's because you've developed this deep love for this person. Yep. Because in the beginning they've, they've made sure they've hooked you. Mm -hmm. Right. So you develop this deep love for this person. I think too, eventually for me anyways, um, I I tend to be very loyal and it's really hard for me to let go. Mm -hmm. And that's something that has taken a lot of time for me to learn. You can love people from a distance Mm -hmm. and you don't have to trust everybody, Mm -hmm. you know? So what happens is they, they hook you in with this deep sense of connection and they connect with you on every level. Yes. You know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. It's like all the things are there that should be there in a relationship initially. And then there starts to be these small little triggers, like testing the water almost yes. of verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think it starts mentally and you just don't realize it's happening. Yeah, for me, it was definitely mental. Um, and I didn't even realize it until I was out of the relationship in mm-hmm. therapy right? for them to start like helping me realize what had happened. Um, and it was little things like, Um, if we would get into an argument 
and my feelings were hurt or something was done to me, right? I would end up, um, you know, this person I was in a relationship with would then start like self-deprecation and self-hate for like hurting my feelings or something. And then I would spend the next hour comforting them. Right. Making them feel better and making them feel like it was okay. Yes. Therefore invalidating the thing that they did to me and making like, I'm such a horrible person. I'm such a horrible boyfriend. I can't believe that you're with me, you know, whatever. And then I would be like, no, 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 it's okay. Like it was an accident. You don't, you know, and completely invalidating what had happened to me or in that fight. And so it was terrifying for me to, I never wanted to bring up anything because I didn't want him to be you upset. You didn't want to rock the boat. Yeah, I didn't want to rock the boat. Yeah. Yeah, and gosh, and you know, just thinking back, and I told Carrie this the other day, like the nightmares, the nightmares lasted for years. Like, because part of you, and I, I mean, for me, and I feel like a lot of you probably would agree with this, like, once you've shared yourself with someone, there's you're always connected to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're always yeah. connected. So it's like you have these nightmares that you're returning to this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt surreal. It was like I wasn't even there. And, you know, I numbed it with lots of... I worked two jobs. So I was really busy. Mm-hmm. And then in the evenings, drinking lots of alcohol and smoking lots of marijuana and anything yeah. I could do to numb the situation. Yeah. Um, what I think this is such like a cliche question, but I think people that have never been in this situation ask this and they're like, why don't people just leave? You do. Or I did Mm -hmm. several times. Um, but if you, it's, it's real easy to remember the good times. Absolutely. And it's addicting. Yes. They don't, they don't want to let you go. Yeah. And people that are narcissists are also very manipulative. Mm. So it's easy for them to make you think, we are, we're going to make this change together. We're going to get on track. And yeah. just like what you were talking about, Carrie, sometimes in the midst of leaving, they're like, I can't believe I did that to you. No, that's not who I am at the core of me. And I love you. And I can't live without you. And you make me a better person. And I'll never and do it again. It'll I'm never so sorry. happen again. And then you've invested all of this time and deep love and affection for the person. And then you feel like a failure yes. for like leaving or abandoning your relationship. Yeah. So then it, there's all of this guilt and shame that comes it, from it from the from your perspective. And embarrassment. Like to, my first situation got so bad that um, he literally attempted to strangle me on multiple occasions, mm. and. Um, when I did leave, I thought I could, in my small town I grew up in, I thought I could leave and hide out at a cousin's house that he didn't know where they lived. Um, and he broke into my parents' house and left me a death threat. Oh, my God. Okay, so there's not a whole lot police can do Right. with that. It was very coded. It was like either you come home or I won't allow you to continue living type of thing. Mm. Um, so I left town. And that's how I landed in North Carolina and lived with a cousin that I hadn't seen 15, 20 years. Left my car, which got repossessed. Left my credit cards, which got charged up. No money to my name and walked to two jobs until I could afford to get a car. Wow. And, you know, 
can I just say that was some of the best times of my life, though? Really? Yeah. Just, I was super healthy. I was walking a lot. And, um, well, there's a silver it, lining. Yeah. And also, it, it gave me the ability to recognize my own strength. Because the scariest part was not believing that you, you go through years of hearing you're a worthless piece of shit and believing it because the person that you loved and admired the most has spoke this to you. Right. Right. So then when you finally are free, it's, you're so broke, you're so broken that if you can pull it together enough to do what it takes to live day by day, there's a lot of strength in that. Do you remember like the first day that you were out of the relationship in your cousin's house, like that feeling that you had? I was sick for months. You know what I mean? It's literally like part of you has been ripped, like physically ripped away from you. And it's so confusing. You, you don't know how to operate because you've learned to operate um, and numb yourself and just continue um, being broken and being abused. And, you know, someone sitting on you with their hands around the throat, someone waking you up in the middle of the night telling you a worthless piece of poo because mm. you didn't get something in the grocery store and, and they were playing video games and they now wanted it. So yeah. little things like that. And you're like, I failed, I failed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it. that first day you leave, you still feel broken. It's like you, all, every ounce of you wants to return because that's what you know. Mm, right. I think in a lot of, not beyond just abusive situations, we all want to return to what we know, right? What's safe, what's comfortable, yeah. what's easy, yeah. what seems easy, even mm-hmm. if it's hurting us. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll be honest, guys, like I feel like the only thing that got me through it is my faith. Mm. And it was the grace of God that kind of gave me the strength to continue on and to move away from every. I never wanted to leave West Virginia and never wanted to be away from my family. I never thought I would. I was going to be that girl that got married one time and had 10 babies. (laughs) (laughs) But that didn't happen for me, and that's okay. You know, it's been a journey. I I think it is really interesting, though, because thinking just about mental and, like, emotional abuse... Um, I think all three of us have experienced emotional abuse at some point mm-hmm. um, because I think that can come in so many different avenues. Um, but like what you were just saying about when the person that you like love and care about the most speaks these things into you so often, you start believing them about yourself. Um, and, you know, like on a smaller scale, but like something that was always told to me was that like I was so sensitive like you're just too sensitive Mm -hmm. you're just too much you're just too whatever anytime that my feelings would get hurt or that he would do something that would upset me it was just like you're too sensitive you know and years of that invalidated made me realize or made me think change who I was you know because I was like well, I'm, I'm, I'm just too sensitive, you know, instead of being able to be like, no, what you did was really rude or, you know, like I I wasn't able to say that anymore because I, in my head, I just believed, well, you know, I'm just too sensitive or I'm like too emotional or I'm whatever. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, there were little things too, like hey, I'm going to go to small group tonight or, hey, I'm going to hang out with my friends. And, like, 
we haven't seen each other all week, Carrie. Like, I can't believe that you're going to like choose other people over our relationships and spending time with Mm me. And then years and years of that ended up like isolating me from a lot of friends. And, and I thought it was a good thing because that's what you do in relationships, right? You sacrifice and you have to spend quality time with one another, right? I mean, and for me, the difference was he was more about me bringing all the people around, but Mm. public humiliation. Oh. And, you know, kind of subtly to try to make, like he would say things like, be quiet, the adults are speaking. Mm. You know, and you... Just really, and the the people that were, we were around, they were in shock. So they didn't stand up for me, and I didn't stand up for myself because by that time I was so broken. Um, and speaking on behalf of some of my other girlfriends that have been through this, they experienced more what you experienced instead of public humiliation. It was isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and from their family, from mm-hmm. their friends for years, really making them think their friends weren't good friends mm-hmm. or that their family didn't really value them or was a bad influence on them. Everything they could do so that they were the only person that had any access or yeah. power over them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was doing the same thing, but in a different way. Instead of isolation, it was humiliation. So both, both can isolate you from going deeper in relationship. Like if you feel humiliated, truly humiliated, you're less likely to reach out to your friends or family because somehow you're the one in the wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, the second abusive relationship I was in was more, it wasn't physical. It was all mental. I mean, he would sit on me to try to leave me, keep me from leaving the house, but... I, you know, I couldn't go to the movies without him calling with a girl, with my girlfriends and saying, what are you wearing to the movies? Do you look like a slut? You know, and y'all know me, I dress fairly conservative. Yeah. Um, so there was always, I, it's like, it's real easy to find different levels of, of abuse. Not every abuse is the same picture. Yeah. But I think having our eyes and our minds and hearts open to, I really believe every single human being was created with value. Yes. And if anyone's making you feel like you do not have value, that's abuse on any level. Mm, That's powerful. So, and you know, mine started young because mine wasn't romantic initially. And I love my dad. And in a lot of ways, he was a great dad. But um, he, there was a lot of, I would get spanked or punished for things being broken in the house. I didn't break. They didn't know who did it. Of us three girls, they, he would just, it had to be me. I received the brunt of his anger that he had from dealing with being depressed all the time. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I didn't feel like my dad valued me, and I was always trying to earn his approval, which then led to me seeking out relationships with men that, I needed to earn their approval. That's what I was just about to ask is like, do you feel like like us as women, if we have any type of like insecurities or the need to seek approval, that it stems from like a deeper place of like, why are we needing this approval? Which then in turn, the narcissist in our life, you know, whether that's again, like, um, I don't know, anybody that we've interacted with, it's it's almost infuriating because it's like, I don't want to seek this person's approval. 
I don't yeah. want I don't want to care if they like me or don't like me. But then when you're like the object of their um, affection, affection, and you feel approved, and you yeah, and you get approval from them, it's like intoxicating, and you want to get more of it. It becomes a drug. It really does. Yeah. Um, I think for men and women both, like in a country where often men in my age group were told they're not allowed to cry. You're a boy, dry it up. You know, mm-hmm. and raising a little boy and trying to help him understand processing his emotions, and it's okay to do that. Mm. Um, but I think <laughs> absolutely it stems from society. And maybe not just like who our parents were, because I love my parents. And yeah, my dad wasn't perfect, but I think everyone has childhood drama and trauma at some point. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I feel like society kind of had set the tone. There's not a lot of balance between being not having any emotion and um, the, the whole me culture. You know what I mean? Like it's shifted so far one way or the other. But the balance of all, we're given these emotions. We should be able to feel and process all of them. And there's an appropriate way to do that, right? So not having real guidance on how to process our emotions then leaves us vulnerable. Mm. (laughs) Like super vulnerable to someone coming in that obviously has some other chemical imbalance. I, I really believe narcissists have some serious chemical imbalances. Yeah. Um, for them to see those holes, to fill them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Leah had said to me the other day about a board with a nail in it. Mm-hmm. And you rip that nail out and then you can't fill that hole back in. Mm-hmm. And I think narcissists come in and they try to putty that hole a little bit just so they can poke through it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Leah, you were saying something the other day. Uh, you don't have to get in the details of it, but just like the importance of being able to like talk about and process emotions like within relationships and how that can be like a challenge based on like how people have grown up or um, different like emotional damage that you might bring into the relationship. Yeah, I am doing a lot of exploring on my emotions and how I'm processing things in my marriage right now because of some past traumas. Um, And it's very eye-opening for me to realize that the reason why I'm doing some of the things I'm doing is because I am needing the affection and the love and the reassurance from Alex Mm-hmm. And the way that I'm doing it is not in the best way, but it's the only way that I know how because I haven't had it. Um, and like what Joni was saying is like, you have a fence built and you need to put a nail in it. And the nail is the word that you said or a phrase that you said towards that person. You hammer in that nail you apologize for it. You're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. You pull the nail out. That hole is still there. So you said that it's there. It's still there, which is what I have right now. I still have all these holes that I'm trying to fix personally from shit that's been said to me 10 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. My, most of mine, I mean, just sitting here and reflecting off of y'all, most of my like 
traumas are from when I was younger and like still wanting that affection and love that I didn't get. I'm, I'm processing through right now Mm -hmm. and learning how to deal with that and move on from it and make my marriage not that. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's so interesting to think about like, like your personality, Joni or my personality Mm. or anybody that's been in these situations of like, like I'm an intelligent person. Yeah. Very. That's what I was like thinking about that the other day. Like it, you're such a smart person. Yeah. And like, just to hear like, why wouldn't you get out? Why can't you get out? You are an intelligent woman Mm -hmm. and you know what you're going through. Why not get out of it when you know you can? Mm -hmm. But just to like hear y'all's perspective and be like love bombing. Never have heard that before. Never would have put two and two together that it's like a mental thing first that they make you feel a certain way Mm -hmm. and that you feel like you don't deserve any better than that. And it's just, it's so, it's sad that's so sad that I have been to the to guilt that. and the shame that comes yeah. with divorce. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. For my background, you know, and y'all, I love everybody, whether they believe like me or not, but like I am Christian, that's my faith. Mm-hmm. And there's so much shame. So much. You didn't fight for it. Okay. So I, sh- I should have stayed and let someone kill me. Yeah. Well, but and here's the thing: I don't think God created us for mediocre. No, by any means, and I don't believe that for anybody. And I don't think that God sits up there and says, "Stay in a stay in this situation that is truly harmful for you." Mm-hmm. And there's so much grace and forgiveness. And I had um, actually, I have a really unique situation, and I can, I don't know any other woman that's had this, but in the first situation that person had got my number through a mutual friend probably 10 15 years after we'd been not together and had messaged me it's like can we have lunch so I can apologize to you in person and you know everyone would be like don't do that like this you know I mean you shouldn't do that but to me like I could never withhold that opportunity from anyone I still I still care for that person I still pray for that person like I still want to see goodness in their life you know, I feel like they have some healing to do. Yeah. And so, of course, I got to the restaurant about two hours early and got out of my car and, like, waited to where they wouldn't know what I was driving. Yeah. Public place, middle of the day. And they said, you know, how, how can you forgive me after all that I did to you? And I was like, the truth is I forgave you the moment I left. Wow. Mm-hmm. And they like they asked me how, and I was like, because I believe that God's grace is so big, He forgives me every single day, all of my things. Mm. I can't withhold that forgiveness from you, and I, I hope that you find healing. You know what I mean? And they said, maybe I should go to church with you. And I was like, no, how about you find find <laughs> Jesus on your own if that's the direction you want to go? It's not going to be with me. But um, um, I. I think it's okay to still love those people from a distance, still pray for them, still hope for their healing. Like everyone thinks you have to hate your abuser. And the truth is most people don't. There's extreme circumstances like kidnapping and Mm -hmm. those sort of things. 
yeah, but the people that you chose to love, that you fought to stay with for so long, it's it's really hard to carry hate. Yeah. And, you know, I have several girlfriends, one of recent that was in an extremely, for 17 years, mm. captive in this abusive relationship. And um, it's... People are so insensitive to the healing process. They they want to talk so much crap about that person. That person's blah 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 and this and that. Like that's going to make the person. No, you still love that person. Mm-hmm. You still love that person. You chose to love that person for years. So hearing other people talk crap about them, yeah, <laughs> doesn't bring healing, even though it's got good intent. Yeah, like can't we all just want everyone to heal? Yeah, I know. For me, um. I remember the, so I just remember things changing literally overnight in my situation and my relationship and my marriage was literally a fairy tale. Um, everything about it every day was a fairy tale in in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, grand gestures constantly, um, little nothings constantly for years and you know all of our friends called us like relationship goals and you know and yes there were the you know the fights of of me having to like comfort him or him begging me to spend more time with him instead of my friends and at the time I didn't think anything of it, right? Because I was just like, well, this is what you do when you're married. This is what you do. Like, he just loves me. He just wants to spend more time with me. He missed me today, you know, whatever. Um, But the minute he decided that he was done with me, he was done. And it literally, sorry, it literally happened at the flip of a switch. And that's, that goes back to the narcissism and like the love bombing is the minute that they decide that it's over, it's, it's done. Yeah. Right. And I remember vividly (laughs) laying in my bed, um, while he was at work and just like gutturally screaming on my bed, like, please God, let this not be real. And I was alone in my house that I had built with my husband and he just decided that he, that I was disposable at that, at that time. And, um, he began to be like very verbally abusive and very like emotionally abusive. And I was like sitting in my church at, in therapy, trying to figure out like, what I was going to do and he called me and I put him on speakerphone because my therapist asked me to also like an elder at my church and someone that I like led worship with someone that knew me and loved me and he was like put it on speakerphone and answer it and so I did and the way that he spoke to me in that conversation was just how he had been speaking to me normally that week and it was just so nasty and so mean and then when I hung up the phone it was the first time that I had heard how he spoke to me through someone else's ears. Because right. that's just what I had been taking. And hearing the way that he spoke to me in front of someone else was so embarrassing 
that I was like the recipient of a conversation like that. And he looked at me and he was like, Carrie, as a dad, I need you to get out of that house tonight. And I left, I took the cats and I packed an overnight bag and I didn't tell him where I was going. And the next day that I, the next time I was at the house, we were packing up and he was at work and my whole small group came and like helped me pack the house. And I went into the garage and I looked in our dumpster and everything that I had given him over the course of our three-year relationship was literally in the dumpster. And every shirt, every picture, every letter, mm. shoes, literally anything that had anything to do with our relationship was in the dumpster. And I just opened it and I looked at it and I saw the culmination of my marriage in the dumpster. And I just texted him and I was like, really? And he literally just responded, I'll never forget it. Nothing personal starting over. Nothing personal. And that just shows that the whole time he was detached from truly loving you. Right. Because his only concern is what what you made him feel at the time. And if you can no longer, you know, I mean, you were no longer a trophy. And I exactly. think it turns, it turns into that, that you, at once you were a trophy and I was a trophy. And then eventually. Yeah we become useless to them. Right. And so I think all of that to say, like, the abuse that came from that, and I, it took me a really long time to even be able to say that because I feel like there's so much, um, like, guilt and shame in that. And I feel like, again, like, I'm just too sensitive and I'm too emotional and I'm being dramatic. Like, that wasn't abuse, Carrie. You know, just, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's just so much, like, guilt in saying that out loud and hearing him in the back of my voice, in the back of my mind, just telling me that I'm being dramatic or that I'm being too sensitive or too emotional. I'm almost four years out of that, and I can say that, like, I am so proud of the person that I am and the person that I've yes. become, but, like, it's not as easy to, to just be like, well, know your worth, girl. Get out of it while you can, you know? And it's because, like, that's the person that I loved and that my dad, like, gave me away to, you know? Yeah. And so, like, in all your situations, I just wish that, like, just like we do on this podcast – you know, if you're in a situation like that or you've been in a situation like that and you feel guilt or you feel shame or you feel dumb or you feel disposable, like, you're not. You're not. And I don't think we ever get to the point where we're truly able to see ourselves correctly. You know, we, we always see ourselves in a light that's more critical. Um. You need to surround yourself. Don't let yourself be alone. There are people that will never abandon you. And if you don't have those people in your life, there are resources. Yeah. I mean, you could reach out to me, and I will hug you the first time I meet you. If it's just a hug you need. She will. I'll bring I'm having a hard time not hugging you right now, Carrie. But, um, just, just don't be alone in it. Yeah. Because you really need people speaking truth to you about who you are. Yeah. I will always recommend therapy. Yes. Um, and 
finding the people that you can be honest with, I think is also really important. Being able to like find new narratives to speak into yourself. Yes. And replace the old narratives that you've been told. Restore your joy. Yeah. There are things in life we enjoy and life gets so busy that we don't take the time to do it, whether it's cooking, baking, photography, the little things that you can do to restore your joy. Take time out for you to enjoy things because it's not about how much money you're making. Like if you really want to heal, you've got to invest in your emotional well-being. And a large part of that is choosing to restore your joy. Yeah. And... And like you're saying, therapy and finding the people. Yeah. I mean, and I think we need to be more open about it. Mm. Like I find when I'm, because I tend to be a bit of an open book, maybe too much so, <laughs> maybe, um, people are more willing to let me love them, you know? And all of us have walls. Yeah. It takes a lot to make sure my walls aren't up. And that I'm allowing people to love me. Hmm. And I think I said this a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember who I was speaking with, but it may have even been in a leadership meeting regarding respect, but it's not just giving respect and respecting others, but receiving the fact that people trust you, that people love you, that people respect you. That you're worthy of that too. Yeah, that you are worthy of that. There is no one on this planet Planet, not planted. <laughs> I tend to mispronounce things. That that doesn't have value. Right. And if you're in a place where you feel like you don't have value, that's a lie. Yeah. Don't receive that. In fact, capture that stupid lie mm. every time you start to think it and replace it with truth. That's so good. Remember that you are worthy of receiving respect from people. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a relationship that you're suspicious that it might be abusive, if there are signs of it and you're not sure, um, keep your eyes open. Yeah. Replace any negative thoughts that are thrown at you. Don't receive it. Like I, I had someone trying to speak negatively to me about someone I care about this week, and I just straight up told them I, I don't receive that. Yeah. You know? And I think you can do the same for yourself. Someone's coming at you and – Speaking now, I mean, I'm all about receiving some constructive criticism. Sure, I'm not going to say feedback because I think criticism's a real and necessary thing. Right, right. Um, but if it's if their intent is to break you down or make you feel bad, right, then have power over that situation and ha- take use your words to defend yourself and say I I don't receive that, and you're allowed to do so. Yeah. That's and, really good. You know. Leah, do you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a quiet little church mouse you over are. here. I it's just I, this was a great episode just to sit and listen in on. It puts things into perspective, you know. I mean, I've realized some things that I didn't think I realized. Um, but I just really want everyone to realize like you're not alone in this process and a healing process. And it is a process. It takes a long, it it takes a while for you to get through it. I mean, just being on the other side of Carrie's just like helping her 
get her back to normal not normal but back to one you know even better than normal yeah better than i was four I years ago never normal Almost yeah. Fun at all. yeah but it's just you need to be a listening ear sometimes and just listen to them say whatever they need to say because that's the best way to get it out you know um but I really appreciate y'all opening up and sharing this with everybody and, you know, really puts things into perspective. And I want y'all to know that you're not alone and you can always reach out to us, Joni, Carrie, yeah. me. We're all here for you. Um, if you're not comfortable with that, there are other places that you can reach out to. There's probably phone numbers, websites. Mm-hmm. Um, we can probably look some up and put them in the yeah. show notes. And also... For those of you that have never experienced anything like this and, you know, are like, I still don't get it, like, just get out or whatever. Um, I met, I read an amazing book uh, a few months ago called It Ends With Us. Um, and it's by the author that I shouted out a couple episodes ago, Colleen Hoover. Um, but it is a really beautiful look at the inside of an abusive relationship. Um, and it was written in honor of her mother. And it just like really opened my eyes to a lot and she did it in a really respectful, um, way. So if anybody wants to, it's a fiction book, um, you know, but it's so, so good. And I would recommend anybody to go read that book. It, again, it, it's, it ends with us by Colleen Hoover. Um, but Joni, thank you so much for yeah. Thanks, girls. Thanks for coming up with the topic and yeah. being flexible and coming and talking to us yeah. and being very vulnerable and open yeah. about this. I think that's the biggest thing for me is just being a place that is a safe place to have conversation with, mm-hmm. but also like allowing your story to be told. Um, cause that, that is very brave, you know? You. And, um, and it is helpful it's just helpful for people Mm -hmm. um, to allow yourself to be vulnerable allows. I think what is the thing that I say? True vulnerability creates authentic connection. Mm. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that we can see from today is true vulnerability creates authentic connection. So thank you for being a place that is truly vulnerable. Thanks ladies. I love you both. We love love you you. Um, all right, I guys. love you. I love you. I love you. You <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> you love it. I love it. You love it. I love it. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our episode today. Again, like if you need anything from us, we are one freaking text or phone call away or DM. <laughs> um, but we love you guys so much. Please get off your island. Know that you are worthy of respect and And love, worthy of affection, and you have value inherently just Mm -hmm. by being yourself. We love you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.